You don't know me. I just came in off the street. No due diligence, no background check. No, just hire the guy that says them fancy words. I could be a serial killer. I could be a guy who pees in your coffee pot. I could be both. This is the Extra Hot Crate Podcast, episode 215 for the week of August 20th, 2018. I am valuable Hummel figurine, David T. Cole, and I'm here with rigidly controlled ponytail, Sarah D. Bunting. 85 degree curl rotation is go. Coco Bolo desk collector, Tara Ariano. I deserve this. And Hoboken squat cobbler, Will Leach. Also known as the Boston Cream Splat. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Extra Hot Great. We are joined once again uh, by my favorite kind of donut and Will, Will Leach. Hello, Will. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be on uh, my second favorite kind of donut, but I will be happy to be first in your heart. What what is your first favorite kind of donut? Uh, It's actually... It's actually, uh, I can't say uh, just because it's a non-disclosure agreement, but trust me, it's really good. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I feel like we need another whole episode about the mysterious first favorite uh, donut. Uh, we never banning. had this conversation. We no, never we, had this we never did. Uh, here's the conversation we are having. Uh, Better Call Saul is back for its fourth season on AMC. Uh, it's actually a few weeks into things, uh, but we're just getting around to discussing it now. And uh, I actually think that's better because, A, with a few episodes uh, under our collective belt, gross phrasing um we can sort of talk about our sense of the season so far the pacing i have some notes on that um and second of all i advanced a crackpot theory at the end of my latest epic old school recap you can find mine antara's on previously.tv uh about who wrote the letter from beyond the grave uh but first let's talk about how we're feeling about the fourth season so far uh i never have a problem generally with this show's um careful pacing let's say but maybe i'm starting to get a little itchy anxious about how studied it is uh will you did a rewatch of the whole series before we talked about this yes yes i did was uh were you noticing anything about the pacing how has that been informing your experience of season four so far yeah you know, it's funny as the season, as the series has gone along, the third season and now the fourth season's pacing, I found to actually be considerably slower than the first and second season, almost as if they were really nervous. So like, are we going to be able to sell people on a Better Call Saul show? They were almost a little eager, you, you know, famously, they actually slowed the series down after the first year because uh, at the end of the first season, it looked like it was clearly pushing Jimmy on the way to Saul. And they said, uh, actually, we like Jimmy, so we'll slow down a little bit. They've really slowed it down, down now uh, to the point in the third episode, the one we're talking about, when when – uh, Fring goes to visit Gail Bedecker, of all people. Gail Bedecker, uh, what a wonderful song for Gail Bedecker to be singing, by the way. Uh, I can't believe he had not just constantly been singing that at all times throughout every appearance. On I know, Bad. me neither. That does seem like an oversight. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, even in that moment where he's like talking to him about, about, uh, 
you, you know, eventually, of course, we know that Gail Bedecker goes to work for Gus Spring. And I watched that scene and I thought, wow, this is going to be the moment where – no, we're actually probably still a long way from even Gail Bedecker working to him, let alone Walter White working for him. And it's, it's funny how – you, I, uh, Alan Steppenwall wrote in his review w- wondering about whether or not someday they're going to have to do some sort of time jump because it does feel they have slowed this down so much now that by the time that you get – you would actually get to Breaking Bad, would have, feel like Better Call Saul season eight or nine, which is fine, I guess, because I really like the show. But it's funny how – In that half of the show, I think about that. I think about how are they working toward Walter White and Jesse Pinkman and how are they working in the in the Mike side of the show. I think about that regularly. And those are full of these Easter eggs. It's all kind of fun. I'm into it. But with the Jimmy, the Jimmy side of it, I don't care about the pacing. I don't care where it's going. I just want to spend time with those characters. So it feels in a way that each story that's slowing down the Jimmy story actually slowed down the get back get to the toward breaking bad story in a way that it feels not so much that the wheels are spinning, but it feels like at some point they're either going to have to speed up really fast or this show's going to go on for a really long time. Oh, well, and I, I mentioned in uh, my recap of the premiere, I think that I don't, again, I don't mind the pace and I agree with you that on this timeline, it's going to be like season 11 before we get to events we've already seen. But the problem is this is a prequel that is being filmed like in the world, in our timeline, where some of these actors are in their 70s and, you know, not to put a too fine a point on it, but can we can we catch it up a little bit before Jonathan Banks uh, can no longer participate, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. Uh, Tara, what are your thoughts on the pacing so far, especially now that we're out of sort of the Chuck storyline, which I had no problem with them sitting with and exploring because that seemed to be the crux of a lot of the show emotionally but now that he's gone it seems like they could speed things up yeah i mean i wrote last season about how um i i feel like the fan service parts of it and the dropping easter eggs like to me that's the least interesting aspect of the show yeah but i formerly would say the most interesting thing is the relationship with chuck and jimmy and you know I guess I can't say that now, except it still is like, even though Chuck (laughs) is dead, it's still, it still is, you know, it's the wound at the heart of Jimmy. Um, And so I feel like any episode where there's like more than 50% devoted to cartel stuff, like I find that aspect of it very boring. Um, As much as I do love the show, like to me, it's, it's a, it's a balance question from episode to episode, like how well it's going to keep my interest, which is why, Will's presentation of, um, I was going to say shenanigans, chicanery, chicanery. (laughs) (laughs) When we talked about it um, earlier this year, like to me, that's a perfect episode of this show because it's all Jimmy and Chuck and and no filler of anything else that I personally am less um, captivated by. But I, I'm, I feel like the funny thing that you guys are saying, like season 11 or something like to me, this seems like oh, there's it's going to we're going to get an announcement soon that it's been renewed for its fifth and final season. Because I feel like for exactly those reasons, they can't they can't uh, play out the string forever. And it does also feel like they could do a chime jump or they could just have a, a lacuna in between one and the other where it's like well stuff happened in between we can assume it was terrible (laughs) whatever (laughs) jimmy was doing when he was saul was probably extremely unethical and he's unmoored from you know society's rules like we could fill that in with our own imaginations what he was doing in between 
you know, the end of a Better Call Saul. It's going to be one of those slow time lapse dolly shots around the courtroom that just shows him degrading over two years. (laughs) (laughs) And then boom, it's done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. it's funny when you look at the two sides of the show, though, because this is an ongoing debate among people that love Better, uh, the, love Better Call Saul, right, is which side do you like more? Do you like the Jimmy side or the Mike side? Mm-hmm. I think clearly I, I find as much as I love the Mike side and love the Breaking Bad universe, I think it's hard to argue that Jimmy's isn't bigger. And I think one of the reasons for that, in addition, because Jimmy is such an interesting character, it's also look at the two characters that we don't know what happens to them in the Breaking Bad universe that are on each side. There's yeah. Kim on the Jimmy side mm-hmm. and Arturo or Nacho on the Mike side. I like Arturo. I think he's well played. I think Nacho's an interesting character. He is not Kim. Mm-mm. Like Kim is such a more interesting character and such there's so much going on with her that to me the big mystery of the show, which after all is a prequel, so we know some of the things that happen to people, the big mystery of the show and to me the heart of the show is what happens to Kim. What yeah. happens to Kim? And so for me, that makes everything that goes on, particularly in episode three, this week's episode, every everything that goes on feels like it turns so urgently on her because we she's just never mentioned the Breaking Bad universe. It's mm-hmm. one thing if Nacho dies, it would be sad to see Nacho die. I like him, he's a good character. But he's in the drug trade. Like things happen, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, but the but but Kim, her never being mentioned. Why is that? That is a fundamental, huge mystery of this show. And it's the one I find probably the most compelling. For sure. And I'll also say that in with regard to episode three, um, which is called Something Beautiful, the one that just aired, and the last of the three that was provided ahead of the season uh, to critics, whatever that may mean. Um, nothing on the cartel side, including like a corpse getting shot up and a live person getting shot was as tense to me as when Kevin opens the door and there's 10 architectural maquettes of these, like these branches that Kim is going to be responsible for opening. I was like, I almost had a heart attack. Like the tension (laughs) that they've created around this character and her work story is like, (laughs) this is not where I'm sure anyone who is a huge Breaking Bad fan thought it was going to go. But like, this is the real <laughs> shit. Like Kim Welcome is to trying your to Carlsberg gears, Breaking Bad fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was like this. This was the, the dread that drove, you know, the back half of season three was like her trying to just do everything. And 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 not until she like ran herself off the road because she was falling asleep at the wheel, like she, you know, stealing sleep, all of that. It's like. And now to know that, like, well, we were just giving you a couple of weeks to recover from your fucking car accident that we in- indirectly caused. And now here's your future. Ta-da! <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I almost, I, like, I wanted to cry for her. I was just and the way that Ray Seahorn acted that scene was like as devastating as it needed to be. And so it's like such an unexpected story thread for this show to be exploring, given what we saw in Breaking Bad. Like, it's so different and yet so satisfying and scary and speaking of so different why did each of those architectural models have to be so very different from each other it seemed like a very expensive uh way to go about it like there was ones where it looked like they built it and then stuck it in the ground at 45 degree angles because why not it's just funny (laughs) yeah also after seeing hereditary i can't handle miniatures at all anymore (laughs) at at all (laughs) yeah um, all right. Well, let's talk about Sarah's crackpot theory which yes. is about the end of this episode, because I said the exact same thing. So, Sarah, why don't you set it up? Um, OK, so at the end of this episode, uh, Kim decides uh, she gets the letter out of her files and decides that she should you know, bring Jimmy up to speed on this meeting with Howard that he did not attend, uh, that she attended 
on his behalf and ripped uh, all the strips off of Howard on his behalf as well. So uh, she tells him about the bequest and then she hands him the letter and she's about to leave the room and give him a minute with it. And uh, he's like, well, no, 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 stay. You want to hear this too, right? And, you know, she sort of joins the audience and saying, yeah, if you don't mind. So he reads it and it's this um, undated kind of, you know, it seems like it dates from uh, Jimmy's days as a paralegal before he became an attorney. Uh, It's very encouraging and nice. It's a little patronizing, which, you know. Mm-hmm. makes me think that it's on brand for Chuck. But other than that, it's like, you know, I've, I've always been in your corner. He reminisces about the day Jimmy came home from the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Not the um, uh, eyebrow singer from the other side that I think we all expected and agreed with Kim was in, was in the sealed envelope. My crackpot theory uh, is that Kim, th- that's not the actual letter that Kim wrote one and sealed it and handed it over. Um, Here's why I think this. Her reactions during the scene don't quite track with this theory, but they make a point of saying in an earlier scene where she's just been contemplating the hugeness of her Mesa Verde task, uh, that she needs to be dropped off at the courthouse Uh, it's not an appearance. It's unscheduled. There was no prep involved, she says to her paralegal. Um, But we don't see this visit. We don't know what it was for. We're not told. So that is what makes me think that she like went to the records or like the um, wills department to check something to see if she could get away with rewriting the letter to spare Jimmy the pain of what Chuck probably wrote or to see if there was an earlier copy on file, something I, this is probably not the case. I can be talked out of this. Did anyone else besides me and Tara think this, <laughs> you know, Tara said this as we were watching it and I said, well then why the reaction during? Well, y- yeah, to me, reading? it's like, no, I think I her reaction is because she, she read the letter he did write and she's crying because she's remembering the, whatever shitty thing he actually right. wrote okay. and wishes wishes this were the letter that he wrote. And it feels horrified for Jimmy, whether he ever knows it or not, that ch- that Chuck didn't feel this way about him. She wasn't crying because she realized what, what a beautiful mimic she was. Oh, I'm no. So good at <laughs> or that Jimmy has functionally no reaction. He sort of, exactly. as I said in my yeah. recap, reads it in the way that you read out like a paragraph from a new yorker story to your spouse in bed for example mm-hmm. yeah uh, not much tone not much reaction um so either she's like i wrote this beautiful letter and he's already compartmentalized that in the chuck i'm not dealing with it box or uh she feels guilty that she's deceiving him in this way like there are a number of reasons that this could be her reaction if she Right. Wrote the letter. There's a number of reasons it could be if she didn't write the letter, right. if it was Chuck. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and her, I mean, I don't think it's that crackpotty. There's definitely something up with, with the right. letter. Um, and it it could be as simple as trying to spare her feelings, but also it could be more complex. If she went to the courthouse, it could be like, who knows what's going on? You know, this is part one of a 12 part plan to something, something, you know, 
but right. I didn't find that theory like that outrageous and it tracks with the character and the sort of interesting, you know, pull here is going to be like, is she going to ever react to Jimmy's non-reaction? Like I needed more out of this duplicitous task I did, you know, why aren't you happy about finding out your brother loved you or something like that? <laughs> you know, like uh, I also... somehow acknowledge my genius without me telling you. About well, this genius. is the thing about a con is yeah. that you have to like keep the con going. Right. Um, as I said on our forums, and please come to previously.tv and discuss this with us and the other viewers. Um, Vince Gilligan is on the record as not wanting any like Sopranos, the Russian shit happening. Uh, at least he wasn't Breaking Bad, which is why the finale was the way it was whether Sorry, you just enjoyed for, that or not just let's pretend i don't know what you're talking about when you say the russian is that the finale title <laughs> the pine barons episode with the oh, russian okay. guy in the woods he's still david chase is still being asked about this it was right. like 15 years ago um so i think that either way we will get some resolution on that i don't necessarily need resolution on that but there was just something hinky yeah about it, the letter it, so it, yeah what, it, what was your read will well it tracks two it tracks for two reasons one it tracks from just the way we know the show is done the way they call it schmuck bait like they don't yeah. do schmuck bait <laughs> on the show like that's yeah. what they call it on their on their podcast it was just to say that like that there's clearly a moment where i'm going to the office right now no reason why like that's mm -hmm. not something that is put in this show for no reason now maybe yep. it's the letter and maybe it's something else but it's clearly something and it also tracks too with kim remember when are kim and jimmy what got them back together in the first place what's the thing that they she actually discovered somewhat surprisingly that she enjoys she enjoys kind of running cons right yeah. like that's mm -hmm. the thing when they got like remember they were they had, i guess they'd been together in the mail room and they had stopped they had this platonic relationship but the thing that actually got them together to where now they lived live with each other and share each other's toothbrushes and he tries to floss with her hair all the funny things that uh bob odekirk does when that when they're together they she like she likes that part about him and kind of likes doing it herself. So there is a certain con aspect of it that fits with her character too. So you know, a large remember the whole Mesa Verde thing is because she's actually kind of gone along with one of Jimmy's cons. She doesn't want to be concretely knowing about it, but yeah. she does, and so that's part of her character too. Is kind of her. I wouldn't say de-evolution or degrading, but certainly her quietly being okay with some of these schemes. So it makes a certain amount of sense that she would try one herself. Yeah. I just figured the courthouse thing after, once we saw the letter, I thought she went to look up old briefs that Chuck had written because she was trying to match his style or, and, or trying to see. And like or signature. signature. Yeah. 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 I think that's right. It's something. It's definitely something, something. is up with it. It's, yeah, yes. it's sure. Chekhov's court visit, and we'll find out. <laughs> Ch Chekhov. Um, there's a number of other crackpot theories about this, like that Howard rewrote it, and Kim mm. is reacting because she's realizing that. I don't think that one's valid. Or uh, Jimmy's making it up. Jimmy's making it up as he goes along. That's Steppenwall also cited that yeah. one, which yeah. was yeah. like, oh, okay. But I mean, I think she can see it from where she's sitting, so yeah. that doesn't necessarily why i don't know well i guess we'll see i hope we'll see yeah and i guess we're gonna see what becomes of nacho as well but like tara said like that part of it is kind of not i think it's well acted i think it's well shot i enjoy seeing gus yeah the parts that gus aren't in i it's hard for me to care honestly 
I mean, yeah. maybe it's just me. Will, what do you, you already opined well, about this? If, well, it feels like also, like, again, well-played character, well, 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 a good actor. But, like, it feels like a lot of that character's existence is because when the first time we meet Saul in Breaking Bad, he's talking about how he's afraid that Ignacio is after him. Like, he's a, And that's, like, really one of his first lines of dialogue when they have him out in the desert. So yeah. they clearly created an Ignacio character. And I think mm-hmm. he's done some good stuff. I think the stuff with his dad is good. It's yeah. just not good enough is probably the best way to put it that there's because why you know i mean listen kim is this huge character in jimmy's universe and the central character of how does jimmy no one says boy how does nacho what happens to him (laughs) affect anything else in the world it actually doesn't his is a solo story so he's just he's the closest we have to a hey what's gonna happen to this guy we just don't care quite enough to me. It's fun to watch. And listen, I did a squeal when Gail Bedecker uh, came on just like everybody else did. Me will be, too. And I even had that thought before Gail shows up when when Fring's on the phone. Because I, for example, I'm definitely not one of those people when I watch this show that really thinks or even cares about when Walter White is coming. I just don't. Mm-hmm. It's just not something yeah, I really same. Worry, yeah. worry too much about. But there was that thought that was, it was a little like, oh, so you're right. He needs like a local chemist now. And that's how you get from A to B to C <laughs> on that. I don't care if we ever see Walter White. I kind of like those fitting puzzle pieces into places aspect of it. It's just not emotionally what I care about the most on this show. The thing about Nacho that might be a little bit better for everybody here on the podcast now is he's now been sucked into Fring's orbit, right? Yes. So he's true. now under his thumb. So when you get Nacho now, you're going to get, you're going to get, would you like Fring's with that? You will get Fring's with that. <laughs> <laughs> I also should say, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the evolution of Mike and Lydia's relationship in season four as well. And how irritated she is by him and how unimpressed he is by her. And how she tried to go over his head in the last episode and, and tattle on him to Fring, who like just had no patience for it. I, I, that dynamic I could see more of. I would be happy to see more of that evolve too. Yeah, that's such a the, the way that these women are realized on this show uh, is so true to life. I, I really appreciate that aspect of the show. I mean, all the other ones too. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Kim is just this like you know obsessing over a semicolon like the rigidly controlled ponytail is a thing Mm -hmm. and the fact that she's had um like this new hairstyle that she's had to adopt which is like a one-handed maneuver hairstyle Mm -hmm. that she clearly like you can feel her wanting it off her head like she just doesn't like it (laughs) and you can tell there are like cut scenes where she's tried to instruct jimmy on like how to do the to do the role <laughs> it just it is a disaster i would watch those outtakes p.s mm-hmm. um but yeah and lydia as well like lydia is just that sort of she doesn't even sink to the level of hateful just like no she's just a flat line like with the mm-hmm. stevia and the hateful corporate speak she, yeah she's perfect perfectly realized so yeah. yeah um i mean i'm always looking forward to seeing what the show does Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Anything, I, I, mean, so. I love this show and I, I don't mind that it's taking the sweet time and I don't really even care if it ever gets to Breaking Bad. Like, I think this yeah. is oh, fine if same. they tell their own story and end it three years before Walter White is on the scene. Like, I don't think the purpose of the show is to get us to Breaking Bad. The I, last I, thing. I, oh, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. If you've got a final thought, let me ask you this question before your final thought. Uh, of course, of course. Because you're a sports guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cold, uh, The cold open of the season opener, you know, we always get our flashback. Uh, he's in Omaha. He has a medical emergency. He goes to the hospital. From the hospital, he's picked up by a cab. 
and he freaks out because in this cab there is a, a uh, Albuquerque Isotopes logo air freshener or something hanging from the mirror. Now, my question for you, Will, is this. What came first, the Albuquerque Isotopes existing as a team or the Springfield, uh, I mean, the Simpsons making them a team in their universe? Were they named the after Sim the Simpsons or did the Simpsons borrow them? They are named after the Simpsons. They actually won a fan contest. Yes. They actually right. won a fan contest. That was what won. So yes, that is that. actually that's actually a true story. That's it's right. a wonderful thing, and, that, and that's a good. That's kind of what I want to close because to me, one of the other great mysteries of Better, of Better Call Saul is Gene. Is yeah. Gene right? Is to see what happens with Gene because the fact is, uh, first off, that actor that drives the cab driver is apparently a well. I'm not well known by me, but certainly not just an extra that they brought in for that day. So clearly that guy's going to come back, which means they invested in doing something for that character to have come back every single time. Uh, to me, there's an urgency in the gene scenes every single time I watch them because you, know, you talk about the sports thing. One of the great uh, fan theories too is because he's in Omaha and of course she is from, she's from Kansas. She was a Kansas City Royals fan. And if you live in Omaha, you probably are a Royals fan or a Cardinals fan. Like you should be. Uh, but uh, the, the oh, larger, <laughs> I'm sorry. Somebody <laughs> doesn't like championships. Um, anyway. So uh, the point is, is that the, the idea of where Gene goes forward, the, the, the notion that Gene could actually someday have a happy life is something that what, the portrayal of Jimmy uh, as opposed to the portrayal of Saul has actually made me hope for. I know that's probably not fair because I'm forgetting the time that he wanted to kill Jesse Pinkman and all of the horrible things that he wanted to do on Breaking Bad. But I find it telling that like the idea of the universe can actually expand beyond this prequel. There's something exciting yeah. about those gene scenes that I always really enjoy. I mean, who among us hasn't wanted to kill Jesse Pinkman at least once? I'll say this. Ray Seahorn was on um, Seth Meyers last week, and she said her dream for the very last shot is that we see Gene at the Cinnabon, and it widens out and widens out and widens out, and then we see that next to it is a Claire's, and that's where Aww. Kim is working. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> It's time to go around the dial. Our first stop is with Tara Ariano. Take it away, Tara. Well, um, earlier this summer, it was announced that Netflix was getting a TV series called Marching Orders that would be all about the marching band, these, this like elite, super famous, winningest marching band at Bethune-Cookman University, a historically black college in Daytona Beach. Apparently in real life, not covered on the show, it's in the middle of a like a funding turmoil and a bunch of lawsuits and generally bad press. That does not make it into this the show. The, what's weird about it is I was super excited about it because, as I may have mentioned on this podcast before, because I was super cool. I was in a marching band when I was in uh, at the end of elementary school and in high school. And we I remember when we got a PR blast about this show and like I opened a window and could hear Tara <laughs> getting a lady boner from thousands of miles away. It was great. I was really excited. Continue. And here's why. I was in a marching band. We moved away between my ninth and tenth uh, grades. And so I couldn't be in it after that. But there's an alternate universe me that stayed in Regina and continued being in the Lions band. And my <laughs> the trajectory of my life was totally different because it was a really elite band. Like a lot of these students that we see in marching orders are at the school on band scholarships. Like, it's a big deal, and especially in the States, way more so than in Canada, which, where I lived. Um, marching uh, bands so, like, so at the London yes. Philharmonic uh, Orchestra, mm -hmm. the triangle player 
has a heart attack. He dies. It's one mm-hmm. hour before the show. Get yeah. me, Tar Ariano. <laughs> <laughs> I never played the triangle. I played Didn't the you? flute and the piccolo and the xylophone. Mm, so okay. suck it. I thought I saw you once with a triangle thing. Mm, no, I don't think so. Mm. No, I solved marching band because I joined. Didn't you the, have the last a big year, apparatus I... in front of you in one picture? <laughs> yeah, that's a marimba or a yeah. xylophone. Oh, okay. Anyway, that's how you solve you the marching band. By triangle the way, players. <laughs> go in the pit because then you don't have to learn the show. You just stand there. It's, it's, that's the lazy person solution to marching band. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> the show is weird. It's ten episodes, but every episode is like real short like under 12 minutes long so it seems to me that this probably was like just a feature length documentary at some point and for some reason they cut it up into 10 chunks like really arbitrarily like sometimes there's a cliffhanger and then it just picks up the next day and like it's really strange um but and and some of it is really hurtful too there's a there's a whole thing where (laughs) Where for real, the flag corps, they they have a bunch of of people audition like to be in the color guard and then they have to tell them like a week later, oh, you can't march until February because that's how long it's going to take us to order uniforms that will fit you. And they tell them this on camera because they're all really fat. Like, it's awful. These are like freshman college students having to be told this incredibly humiliating news for a TV show on Netflix, like brutal um but uh as much as i appreciate any filmed entertainment that tries to make the point that like all of the stuff that we're always told sports instills in kids like the value of teamwork and like being part of a of a whole y'all striving for the same success and like discipline and you know honor and learning all the whatever like all of that stuff that you're supposed to learn from being on a sports team you learn that in in youth music programs or arts programs also. So I appreciate that someone is trying to make that point and show that like, you know, there's also the winning aspect of it too. Like there's competitions and it's a big deal, but the show is really weirdly unsatisfying. So I'm sorry to say as excited as I was for it, it is, it is not, uh, it's not what I hoped it would be. And I wonder if I'm sorry. Thank you. I wonder if this weird, like, truncated season though because like i'm up to episode seven and they haven't even had their first performance yet like it's just been all training to this point so the pace i mean speaking of weird pacing this so i wonder if like cutting it up and having this as a tv series instead of as a film was like a test balloon and then after this it'll be more of a normal show but also like if the problems at the school are as bad as the press coverage gives one to understand like maybe they won't want to stick around there because other problems will be happening that's going to complicate filming so anyway marching orders i regret to say c plus oh and i do have a plug but i will hold it until later in the segment all right uh will Okay, first off, uh, Tara, you were talking there about how sports is supposed to instill teamwork and feel, good feeling. I've been writing about sports for 20 years. It doesn't do any of those okay, things. Okay, but that's the propaganda that you're talking I know, I know, I know. I'm just joking. I'm just, joking. I'm just pulling so behind the curtain and letting yeah. you know the seedy <laughs> underbelly. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, okay, so I want to talk this big, uh, about Conan O'Brien's show, Getting Rid of Musical Acts. Uh, now, this is sad not only because we will not be able to see Tara Ariano ever play the xylophone on, the Conan, <laughs> on Conan O'Brien, which is a bummer. Uh, but She'll also, find a way. <laughs> but they, they, they actually went full because the show was going to a half an hour. Uh, they fired their booker who's been there for 25 years, who is married to Lisa Loeb, which is a little piece of information I found out while researching this. But, uh, you know, huh. I, I am one of those people who, uh, like a lot of people – 
generally had good thoughts about Conan O'Brien, but then stopped watching them him, him entirely. And, uh, and particularly since, since the TBS days. And, but I will always have good memories of the musical acts because I'm a white guy who grew up in the nineties and all of my bands <laughs> played on Conan O'Brien for so long. Like the Radiohead, Radiohead played Creep as their first ever uh, as first ever performance, the White Stripes famously played there all the time. Pavement was on there. Wilco was on there all the time. Uncle Tupelo even played a show there. So uh, for me, as, as this is a little sadness for me as someone that, frankly, still listens to '90s music pretty much all the time today Same. in 2018. There's I I will there will always be a place for me to go back and be like, oh wow, I forgot that Wilco played Box Full of Letters on Conan O'Brien. It can go back and actually watch that performance. So I, I I understand why they're doing it, but to be honest, I haven't watched Conan O'Brien in many years anyway, so I can't really get too angry about it. Very good. Anything to plug there, Will? Uh, yes, I'd like to plug my talk show, actually. Yeah. <laughs> have, on the I, internet. On the internet. The internet <laughs> talk show. You can watch at any time. I have a show on Sports Illustrated, SITV, or as, uh, Amazon channels called The Will Leach Show. This week's guest was uh, Guy Pierce. We had Guy Pierce on. He actually sang his favorite fight song for his favorite Australian rules football team and explained all the weird little con- uh, moves they make to signify safer out or whatever the world's does in, in Australian rules football. It was very fun. Uh, so he, and we had McKinsey Phillips on last week. It's a very fun show. They let me get away with way too much. And of course you can subscribe to learn about this and all or all else that your Will Leach is sold. Uh, you can go to tinyletter.com slash William F. Leach. We'll link that in the show notes as well. <laughs> all right, Sarah D. Bunting, what do you got? Um, okay. So I have watched the entire first season of sharp objects in the last 24 hours. AMA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's been a cheery, cheery 24 hours. Um, I really like the show, but I think this is, um, I wrote down on a post-it note, it's VC Andrews meets true detective. Um, yeah. and I stand by that assessment. That's not a negative by the way. Uh, it's mm-hmm. true detective season one and, uh, my sweet Audrina, which was horrible, but also awesome. Um, oh, oh, awesome. Uh, I think it's also like peak just Gillian Flynn product, which is to say that like you get sucked in and you're fascinated and captivated and it's uh, primed for these brilliant performances from the acting core. But it's also like really infuriating in a lot of ways. Um, I don't like as Jessica Huseman pointed out, I think yesterday on Twitter, like, can't we just watch like a spotlight type of story about a competent, undamaged, professional lady journalist doing her job? Because she is very bad. <laughs> it's just like, why, why does she have to have all the, all the psychological fractures and nothing against the performance, which is great. Um, but Patricia Clarkson needs to win every piece of hardware between here in Los Angeles because she's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, weird that they released it now for that reason because it's it, it's going to be in Emmy contention next year. So it's strange yeah. to me that they that they wouldn't have like squeezed this on. I mean, it's such a shum- summer show; you can't watch a frame of it without sweating just looking yeah. at it. But at the same time, it's like this is going to be like show me a hero where it's like and no one's even going to I mean, they will because it's Patricia Clarkson and Amy Adams. But it seems like a strange scheduling decision to put it now when it's not going to be fated really for many, many months. Yeah, it's I mean, that's really a pity. I hope it doesn't affect its chances. Um, And especially in technical categories like the 
the way that it's shot, particularly the wardrobe and set design and um, Adora's just like out of time dresses and Mm -hmm. twin sets and her like fully Hollywood noir, like nighty with the, with the robe. Um, Elizabeth Perkins, like, please spin that character off uh, or give her like a cooking show or just like a cocktail mixing, like mixology show. I would watch it every day. Um, Yeah, it's really good. This one was definitely one that I was concerned that because enough people have been like, you know, I think you'll really like it or what's worse, I'm interested to hear what you think. It's like, (laughs) oh, no, (laughs) no. Is this going to be some like true blood Southern fried bullshit that I can't tolerate. And it's, it's not that, but there is a lot of just like dark for the sake of dark seeming stuff in there that like, if you liked VC Andrews as a kid and you're able to sort of take it with a melodramatic grain of salt. Um, but it's, I mean, it's also a good story. I just wish that she could just be a reporter and not have to have this whole like, Spanish moss and every cre- alcoholic crevice character brief going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is now an appropriate time for your plug? Sure. I'll just mention that uh, the finale of Sharp Objects airs this Sunday coming, and I have been covering it all this season over at Decider.com, supposedly at 800 words each entry, which not even close, because I also read the book. and like, How would you do that? I, I, I don't know, No, I because I, I, I didn't do it, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, having read the book, like every time there was a, you know, a clue that was going to pay off later, I had to find a way to work it in and one time I skipped it and it was something they added for the show that wasn't in the book and it was like oh great it's like for three more episodes after this anyway we'll link this in the show notes as well but you can see all of my coverage uh, at length literally at decider.com very good um, and my plug is uh, music related uh, it's all a Moebius of love in here I guess but uh, on my music podcast with Mark Blankenship the aptly titled Mark and Sarah talk about songs uh, as you are listening to this tomorrow we'll be dropping episode 114 the ranking episode of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814 um, nice. there was a lot of drama in the room and you don't want to miss it our <laughs> ranking episodes are always a journey and we hope that you will come along with us that's mark and sarah talk about songs wherever fine podcasts are distributed i just wanted to quickly follow up on adam sternberg's pick last week he really oh, yeah. wanted us to watch babylon berlin and so we did and guys it's really good it's yeah really we've almost good. watched the whole thing already we've watched yeah. 10 of 10 of 16 episodes yeah, uh, Weimar Republic, crime, drama, you know, a little uh, espionage going on. Uh, one thing he didn't really say is just how beautiful the show is in its own yeah. sort of ugly, you know, post-war kind of way. Um, there are obviously, there's obviously a lot of scenes of poverty in a lot of families. You know, this is set after World War One, between wars, and, you know, a lot of people not doing so great. And, and you know, that's one of the reasons why... You know, we get World War II, but that is definitely shown. That, but that's contrasted by like amazing Art Deco set pieces, especially mm-hmm. the um, the main uh, nightclub where a lot of the crime stuff sort of revolves around the what was it, the Mocha Effie or something uh, like that? Yeah, I'm sure I'm pronouncing like that. that terribly. FD, maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just wanted to back Sternberg up. This is really great. And it is. Uh, 
one of my favorite credit title sequences in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. It's very well done, sort of fakey retro without being too servicey to graphic designers. <laughs> There's like one <laughs> other person right now that's nodding that says like, yeah, I don't understand exactly what you're, you mean. <laughs> um, but it's great. I mean, like the costuming is excellent. There are uh, like musical numbers in here that are really well done, like genuinely catchy songs. Um, there is a scene with one of the sort of ne'er-do-well characters and she is also a singer and like the kinetic energy of that song that she sings in a nightclub is like palatable. It's really yeah, well it's done. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so, and that's yeah. early on. I think that's the end of episode two. Yeah, it's pretty early on. So, you yeah. know, if you want a good show to watch, but you really don't trust Adam Sternberg's word, I'm here to tell you <laughs> uh, he was right. Uh, Tara it, is, this, uh, is this bunt nip? Um, yeah, I think you yeah, would like it. Yeah, it's crimey. It's definitely different. There is it's a always lot interesting of... to watch. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Dave. It's always interesting to watch a crime show that's set in the past to see yeah. how different the forensic stuff. Yeah, is. that's what I was about to say. Oh, uh, we just got orders from on high to start putting our forensic bullet, you know, evidence in envelopes instead of just putting it in your hand. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, gotcha. Stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and the costuming right. on the ladies. There aren't a lot of female characters in the main cast, but they. The, the costuming on them is very pleasing to the eye. Yeah. Very good. good show. Yep. I definitely recommend it. That music means it is time for the canon. Our guest will make a pitch to induct an episode of TV into the extra hot great canon. Will take it away. All right, so my uh, I'm nervous, guys, because I'm I'm undefeated. I've I've never had something not in the can. I took a risk this time, so just remember that, and remember how much I care about you. My episode <laughs> is <laughs> for the canon is Columbo, Columbo season one, episode one, murder by the book. You should know that I have a Columbo problem. I can comfortably say I have seen every Columbo episode, including the two different ones. 20 years apart where William Shatner was the murderer (laughs) all the way up to the final one 2003's Columbo likes the nightlife in which the murderer was Matthew Reese Matthew Reese was the murderer in the final episode of Columbo one of my favorite little pieces of television trivia I find them soothing in the way that a lot of people including probably you Sarah uh, find Law and Order soothing it's kind of like my default background noise Uh, when I was in college because I am a cool guy I used to run old VCR tapes on silent in the background on the television at parties. Mm. And people would always be like, wow, what, we no. got Columbo? And I'm like, he's the best. And they're like, wow, you are never going to kiss ah. a girl. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless. You showed them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it t- come 10 years after college. Hmm, bingo. <laughs> uh, so the episode, of course, the greatness of Columbo is the episodes or the movies, wherever they are, are, of course, all have the exact same kind of format. We meet the murderer. We see the murderer do it. We see the murderer try to get away with it. Columbo shows up. He figures things out. The murderer goes to jail. But Peter Falk is so kind of charming and perfect and kind of so iconic. I always find the show sort of 
as comfortable as my skin itself. I always like joke that I kind of wear it like his jacket, just this like <laughs> rumpled, crumpled jacket. I just, I just put it on. I just am in a happy place. So this is actually the first ever episode of Columbo. There was a pilot that they did. Uh, and in fact, they actually taped another one before this one, but they liked this one so much. They made it the first ever episode. So I picked it for that reason. A two because B because it's good. And C it's actually directed by a 24 year old Steven Spielberg. It was actually before he had directed a film. It's before he directed Duel, which was the television movie with Dennis, right. with Dennis Weaver that made it that it made such a hit and kind of got him through that. It was written by Stephen Bochco. So like we had there's the history of filmed entertainment over the last 50 years. <laughs> it's kind of all kind of wrapped up uh, in this episode. And you can kind of tell immediately because the first shot of the episode is much showier than almost any ever Columbo shot because usually – director it's not steven spielberg but it kind of it shows a car uh coming in that we realize later we realize eventually is, is the murderer himself while his one half of a writing team while the other guy sits and is tapping away on his typewriter it kind of gets to that sense of like what it's like to be in your own head when you're writing and unaware of the forces around you that may theoretically speaking be conspiring to kill you uh so then the colombo <laughs> template is laid down the writer at the at, at the desk is named jim we learn that he is ending his partnership with his longtime writing partner uh, ken played by jack cassidy to head out on his own it turns out that ken does not actually write any of the books jim does all of the work that is upsetting ken and that thus the plot is put into motion the first 15 minutes of the episode like all colombo episodes introduce the victim jim the murderer ken and his plan we, of course, never see Columbo until the episode is a quarter over. Because first, we must have our murder. Hi, honey. How are you? Uh, well, that's what I'm calling about it. Um, I'm at the office, and I'm pretty well into this last chapter. I'd like to work straight through. Yeah, I know. I, I know. This will be the last time that I can... Jimmy? Jimmy! It was, it, it was definitely the last time because he died. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because, um, yes. Uh, other, uh, other, otherwise, of course, um, you know, there would be no show. And Columbo would end up in a very different show if it just there was a bunch of attempted murders and then the person explained to Columbo how he was attempted murdering. Uh, so in 20 minutes <laughs> in, we finally meet Columbo. And of course, as we learn over the next 30 years, Columbo is not your typical detective. He's always a little rumpled, always a little confused looking. He's always talking about something that actually isn't the case at hand. Now, here he introduces himself to the victim's wife and says his first words in the first official Columbo about something typically as banal as a water fountain. I think that's out of order, ma'am. Uh, you see, that's the trouble with these buildings. The fountains never work. Then you have to use the coffee machine. And then you lose your dime and the coffee's lousy. Who are you? Uh, I'm just another cop. My name is Columbo. I'm a lieutenant. Were you, Got were you the in there? right here. You didn't see me in there because I left before you got in there. And you know why? Because it's so smoky in there and so noisy in there that I just had to come outside and get a breath. Oh, I think I'd better get back. Now, look, wait a minute. Let me tell you something. You look very tired to me, and I think you had a terrible experience in there. And I think I ought to drive you home. Let's call it a night. Well, don't you think they want to ask me questions? Oh, I don't think they'll mind. I think you've answered enough questions, and I'll call them and I'll tell them you're with me. I love that I'm just another cop uh, thing that he does there, because, of course, he's Columbo. He's obviously not another cop, but he also kind of understands that 
he kind of situates Columbo in that universe as kind of unassuming, but of course, actually smarter than everyone else. Uh, in the course of their conversation, while he's making her eggs, uh, which is, I don't think, standard police procedure, uh, but regardless. Uh, Can we just course- put a pin in the eggs because I got a lot to talk about the eggs. <laughs> Me too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Of course, of course, Ken comes up and you see kind of Columbo's eyebrow raise. And of course, the great joke of Columbo is that it always looks like he's not paying attention or that he's bewildered, that he's bumbling, but of course, he never misses anything. The mention of Ken is his antenna going up in that shambling Columbo way. Now, in the first episode, they haven't completely nailed down the character yet. He kind of jumps to the suspicion of Ken probably a little faster than he usually does. And again, typically he doesn't make eggs for the wife of the victim, uh, the, excuse me, the, the wife of the victim. But generally speaking, the basics are there. He's funny, he's charming, he's a little annoying, and he's absolutely relentless. Now, my favorite Columbo trick is that when he plays so dumb that the killer ends up saying more than he should because he thinks Columbo doesn't understand basic words and concepts. This is a, th- this one has a great one because the killer, of course, writes murder mysteries and thus thinks that he knows everything. What is it? What's it look like? It's a list of names. Look at that. Musto. Delgado, Hathaway, Westlake. Sound familiar? Uh, yeah, kind of. Well, they should. That's a list of some of the top men in organized crime on the West Coast. L.A., Vegas, Fusco. I don't understand. Well, it's painfully obvious. One of these men had Jim killed. Really? Why? Tell me something. How long have you been a lieutenant, lieutenant? Mrs. Melville would have put that together like that. Look, I... I'm willing to take all the help I can get. I love that. I, I wonder what it must have been like to watch Columbo for the first time. Be like, wow, is this guy really this dumb? <laughs> like to watch it now, it's really fun because, of course, you know what he's doing. Uh, all he's trying to do is get in kids' headspace, see what Ken's theory of the case is because he already suspects him. So he just sits and listens. Now, of course, the greatness of Columbo, the one through line of all of them, is Peter Falk's performance, which is nuanced and smart, but... I think gets forgotten. He's actually really funny. Even in from the first episode, there's this moment where he borrows a bunch of books uh, and pretends he's read them all in like an hour, I suppose. But he carries a bunch of books and he's actually carrying like 20 hardcover books in his hand with his rumpled, with his rumpled uh, uh, trench coat. It just kind of like throws them on a desk and almost tumbles over. It's almost like a silent comedy. It's a reminder that like Peter Falk was like a great actor outside of Columbo. He was a longtime collaborator of John Cassavetes. And you can see always like a little bit of shading in that kind of Cassavetes. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. 
but the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. Improv uh, in his performance and even like those silent moments, uh, they're really witty. But of course... This is Columbo, which means we have to get to the scene. What we're all waiting for that happens in every Columbo episode was which is when Columbo gets him. Now, after Ken kills a witness to his crime and throws her body in the river, giving him yet another murder to cover up poorly. And after Columbo, head, Columbo heads in to silently survey a scene in a very well long directed take by Spielberg. And after a very un-Columbo moment, when which he talks to a victim's wife about his theory, proving once again they did not have all the Columbo kinks ironed out in the first episode, Columbo gets his moment. Is this your partner's handwriting? Well, I think I can prove it is. Maybe I ought to read this to you. Idea for a Melville book. Perfect alibi. A wants to kill B. Drives B to a remote house and has him call his wife in city. Tells her he's working late at the office. Bang, bang. Sound familiar? That's the part you used. Practically word for word. Should I read some more? No. Officer, with this, I think I got a conviction, don't you? You gotta admit I had you going for a while now, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> you wanna know the irony of all of it? That is my idea. Only a really good one I ever had. I must have told her the gym over five years ago. <laughs> Whoever thought that idiot would write it down? No. <laughs> uh, I love the officer. He's always calling after he's got the guy. He always calls the officer in to put the cuffs on. And I like to imagine like the bailiff in the people's court, or like a tiny Lister in Jackie Brown, just like the muscle that <laughs> follows Columbo uh, around all the time. Now I don't know if this is actually the best Columbo. I might go with the uh, 1972's Etude in Black, in which Columbo takes out a symphony conductor, played by Cassavetes, his old collaborator, or the one where Dick Van Dyke is the killer, which is actually a pretty great one. <laughs> but it shows how the show mostly had it nailed down from the beginning. The combination of Columbo, Spielberg, and Bosco thus makes this television history, and I'd argue, a must addition to the canon. I feel we should let Sarah, our Absolutely. crime expert, go first. Um, and so I shall. Uh, I have just added a new um, criterion to my canon uh, judgments, and that is presence of a vintage two-door Mercedes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> check. Um, just kidding. I like. I'm not as familiar with Columbo as you are, but I have watched a lot of them, and I'm always impressed by the 
like modern feeling pacing of them uh, compared to a lot of other like crime shows of the era. Again, like an hour long procedural in, you know, 1971 before any of us existed was uh, like it was 51 minutes or something with commercials. And now they're much shorter. Uh, And you really felt that extra time a lot of the time. And you don't so much feel it, even though these are two hour movies or hour and a half movies. Um, so I enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't like showily Spielbergy. It was just sort of regular Spielbergy. But <laughs> I think my favorite thing about this was watching Jack Cassidy, who has become sort of this um, footnote in uh, David Cassidy's behind the music, basically like this conflicted relationship that he and Sean Cassidy had with Jack Cassidy, who was like a really well-known like the hey it's that guy of his era and like watching him work and listening to him uh like you can see particularly david and hear david a lot and it's like weird but also neat um since he since he has passed it's like oh well here's this sort of like a uh, window into the other side um and apparently jack earl haley's father is also in this <laughs> as reporter oh. number two well <laughs> um yeah when you see haven earl haley you're like well if they're not related <laughs> something's wrong <laughs> something's wrong at uh sag naming convention headquarters um yeah this was just a like very enjoyable uh fairly lightweight um hour and change uh it was fun to look at all the you know vintage telephones and uh polyester slacks and of course that uh beautiful bends um so i really enjoyed this and i thought that it was as will said pretty close to the standard formula that you know we all we all grew up with um and there's something about Peter Falk also. I think my favorite moment all time as a film goer might have been um, the sort of turn in Wings of Desire when you realize what his character is. And uh, the, I sort of carry that memory of him with, into everything else he does, even in Columbo. That you're sort of like, well, where are the wings? Um, so, yeah, this was this was delightful. And I think we don't have necessarily enough vintage TV in the canon because a lot of it is slow and not what we're used to. But this, like I said, felt (laughs) modern and fresh. And um, I forget the name of the actor who was playing the blackmailing store owner lady, but what a fearlessly buck-toothed, simpering, (laughs) unvain uh, turn that was. This this woman is great. Um, And yeah, the episode was great. Great comfort food TV. And I think there's a place for that in the canon as well. That poor actress getting some of Spielberg's like showy off <laughs> angles like he shot I, her from under the table so it's like, yeah. no. it's, like Jesus, it's like can you stop feeding her like feeding her things like this yeah. is just that's a lot strawberries yeah. Yeah. yeah she was like Yay, a step from away Luger. from that yeah. cartoon character um uh oh uh like uh something Hel- helga helen whatever you know like a the crazy like love craved she was in roger rabbit 
Do you remember like the a man? That one. Oh, sure <laughs> I'm gonna look it up while you guys spoke. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna turn it over to you to talk eggs. Well, I'll, I'll okay. Uh, just, just, just <laughs> save the omelet for last. Okay. Yeah. No, I will. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll leave it all for you. So, uh, while we were watching this, Dave, uh, remarked that the, uh, the writer who gets killed, Jim. In the remake would be played by Rich Summer, which agree. Mm-hmm. And then that had us recasting all of these for a remake. So I had Victor oh. Garber as Ken. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, Kristen Schaal as Mrs. Lasanka, which, by the way, <laughs> great name. Uh-huh. And um, he had Judy, Judy Greer as Mrs. Jim, Mrs. Ferris, mm-hmm. the wife. And uh, my pick for, Mike, for Columbo was Michael Stuhlbarg. Hmm. Ooh! Who also like. has a history with Spielberg. If he wanted to, mm. you know, come out and do this, but uh, I, I tweeted that, and other suggestions were um, Sam Rockwell. That was from our friend and former colleague yes. Michael Zanti. And someone else uh, suggested Mark Ruffalo, which is really excellent as well. Yeah. So, oh my just... god, yes! Oh. And he actually Ruffalo. has the whole. Um, if you watch Zodiac a million times, mm-hmm. like me, mm-hmm. d- don't bother. I did it for you. Uh, he yeah. totally has that like trench coat, like hitching up his gun yep. belt motion down mm-hmm. so yeah great pick. oh man ruffalo is awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was very good so um lena hyena what? is their name the character lena? i was talking about oh, lena okay. hyena um yeah that's good so uh, columbo's having a bit of a moment this summer as well it was like a, a very minor plot thread through this season of orange is the new black with caputo in his uh having been fired watching a ton of columbo at home and then <laughs> thinking he can reproduce columbo <laughs> techniques trying to do his own investigation which spoiler he can't um but uh what's funny to me i mean i get why this is it, this is important and it was very enjoyable to watch but but the ways that it's unlike other procedurals are kind of, you don't really notice it until it's over. Like you never see him talk to anyone. He talks to an insurance agent, like just for background. And then he talks to the wife and then he talks to Ken and like, that's it. Like we never see him talking to any other cops. Like he really just homes in on Ken and you know, he's right. But at the same time, we don't really get a huge sense of why he's right. Other than that, Ken is super arrogant and like thinks he can get away with it and is, you know, like shady. But at a certain point he's talking, Columbo's talking to the widow and she's like, this doesn't make sense to me. And he's like, yes, but if you, he says something like, but if you start from the assumption that Ken did it, then all the pieces <laughs> fit together. Like, well, sure. It's <laughs> not really how crime works is my understanding. But anyway, I also didn't get like he they they throw in the detail of like they knew that there was a call placed from the San Diego area, but like they don't have like where local usage data, not a thing at that time that they couldn't tell like one call was placed from the store and one call was placed from Ken's house. Like to me, that was that was the big detail where it like it never got explored and it just happened. And and on top of that. The fact that Columbo then just happens to find this plot written on a scrap of paper in the office is like extremely convenient. And it would have been better from a dramatic perspective if the if Jim Jim hadn't been the one to write it, especially if it was Ken's all along. Like if this had been Jim's idea, then you think he would have noticed. Oh, this is just like that idea that Ken had apparently the only idea he ever had. So you would think that it would be more memorable to Jim for that reason. All of that said, it's clear why this is seminal television, and it was a delight to watch. So my problems with the plot to the side, and, and I'll chalk a lot of that up to, you know, 
audiences of the 70s not being as sophisticated as people who have perhaps watched 5,000 hours of Law and Order <laughs> like I have. But this is clearly not a plot show. It's a it's a character show. And, and as a as a character, Columbo is a delight. So thank you for bringing it to us. Will. Uh, all right. So first of Egg all, report. Sarah, <laughs> uh, some of us didn't grow up with Columbo. I know you're 20 years my senior, but you know, just want to point that out. <laughs> they were still uh -huh. having episodes in the 2000s. Uh, 2003. This is the first episode of Columbo I have ever seen. So now I have Me appreciation too. of a few things. One, you know, that Simpsons call with Homer trying to do an impression of him. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is, I guess then like law and order criminal intent was trying to be edgy Columbo. For, I was yeah. going yeah. to mention mm -hmm. that. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's, that tracks Goran is Columbo, except like, not likable in the least. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was he a question. Was I mean, I, I didn't really watch Criminal Intent that much either, except for a couple episodes at the start. But uh, um, yeah, if I had to watch Columbo or Criminal Intent, I would definitely watch Columbo. Um, I, I don't really agree with the fact that this moves at a modern clip. Um, what did you call it, Tara? Shoe leather? There's a lot of shoe leather here. Yeah. Um, what is, what, what is, I, I've heard that it's like expression, but what exactly does that showing unnecessarily, like how, how characters get from A to B, yes. like a long shot of someone getting out of a car and going into a store instead of just like starting with the person going into the store. Yeah, Whatever. absolutely. Yeah, no, there was plenty numbers. of that. They're just, yeah, I don't, we don't see as much as you usually might in like an early night Rider where like there's a two minute tracking shot of a sedan, <laughs> like yeah. no one cares. Um, that said, like, I think that sort of thing, like, there's a phone call, it rings seven times before he picks it up. Then he has, like, a full conversation, including, mm -hmm, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, yes, okay, yeah, but uh, um, it actually kind of plays into, like, like, as Will was saying, this is sort of like your background comfort TV, very much in that law and order way, but even, like, more sing-songy and calming and... The, you know, this pile, I don't know if they continue to shoot everything on film, but this like it looked really nice in that sort yeah. of 70s film stock kind of way. The lighting at some point, it seems like maybe Spielberg only had one light for a lot of scenes and he just had to do his best with it. The, the lighting is um, realistically harsh in a lot of places. Uh, there's uh, the murder um uh, sorry, the first time the cops are uh, at the office, there's like one light that lights up this whole hall. There's there's a shot of her walking down the hall and it takes a good five seconds be before you could even see her. It's so fucking dark at the end of the hall. And then they get to the fountain where we heard a clip and like the shadows are so harsh at times. Columbo like is not quite on his mark and <laughs> her head shadow is like engulfing his whole head in inky blackness um so you know spielberg improved his game as he went along for sure um there are a lot of showy spielbergian things i think if you didn't know like i knew this was a spielberg directed episode ahead of time i don't know how i knew that but it, maybe it was from that um hbo documentary oh, yeah, last that year documentary yeah, um yeah. So I knew, but if I think if you didn't tell me ahead of time, I never would have guessed it. Like, there's no Dolly Zoom Spielberg trademark shot or anything like that. You know, there's there's some flourishes for sure. Um, but it's not like you're going to watch this and say, well, that's Jaws, but, you know, in an office. <laughs> um, so I, I did enjoy this episode, and I get why 
people really liked Columbo, why my great great grandfather and my great grandfather really loved Columbo's hair. Um, and <laughs> and cool college kids. Cool college kids. Don't forget cool, cool college, college kids. kids who left it on mute at their party and then waited for people <laughs> to start talking Columbo with them. Um, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> Talk about and, the and eggs. God damn because it. It's, what is this? 71, you said? Is it 71? Yeah, 71. Yeah. Um, so just like the kitchens, the living rooms, the uh-huh. uh, Ken's – Ken? Yes, Ken the one that – yeah, yeah. Ken's yep. um, home is sort of like – uh, mid-century home turned into a 70s bachelor pad conversion. Uh, a lot of amazing just things to look at. Uh, but the thing I really need to talk about is the scene <laughs> where Columbo and uh, the wife get back to her house and for whatever reason he <laughs> offers to make her the one thing he knows how to make, that is an omelet. Which is weird unto itself, but it's a lot of weird things that happen during this omelet making exercise one is he asks for some place to put eggshells after he's cracked them and she says in the cupboard and he goes in the cupboard gets the bowl and puts the eggshells in the bowl why aren't they going straight into the garbage why are we dirtying another bowl yeah uh that's like an exercise in inefficiency that is not worthy of colombo i think yes um but the real thing about this omelet is he cracks the eggs in, in the bowl and in another bowl. And then he goes on to talk about all the things that you have to have in an omelet and to make the perfect omelet. You need cheese. You need onions and blah, blah, blah. And he starts shredding the cheese, which, like, I think he actually shredded a half a block of cheese in real time. <laughs> and the camera doesn't move or anything like that. Give you an idea of how leisurely the pace is. And then he takes all that shredded cheese and he puts it in the eggs that he just cracked. So the cheese he is hasn't, going with Yeah, the he has not like, whipped them at all yet. <laughs> so does anybody else make an omelet like that? No. Here on the panel? No. Do you put the cheese no. in with the raw eggs? No. 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 So I'm not no, taking I... crazy pills. So no. how could we trust the judgment of a detective <laughs> <laughs> that puts shredded cheese directly in raw egg and then cooks it that way? Like something's going to be off about that. Like some, there's going to be some congealing, you know, reaction here that's going to make that omelet uh, subpar. And the thing is, we never find out about he. We never see that omelet. Like there should have been an omelet on the table payoff scene. Like that yeah. should have been the last shot of that scene. Was just like the omelet sliding on the plate on the table, and then we cut to the next one. It's the, the Russian of this Columbo. Episode. Well, no. <laughs> if, if for the record, if I may cut in, it's like Lost, and in that last 2003 episode with Matthew Reese, you see that he's mastered the omelet. He's finally gotten it. That's the last shot of the series. Wow, that is a long that is, con. That is amazing. That's a leisurely wow. payoff. Um, okay, so this was my first Columbo episode. I did enjoy it. I'm not sure if I enjoyed the show as it was intended to be watched at the time, but rather I'm enjoying it 40 years later uh, as sort of a slow burn time capsule of antiseptic murder mystery show. Um, and it works. It, it, it's fun. I, I, I could totally see... Uh, having this on in college, but not on mute, you know, because that's weird. But it does sort of like, I totally get how it scratches that same itch as Law & Order or a show like that, that you're comfortable with and you just have on and you're sort of familiar with the rhythm, rhythms of it. So every time you look up, you know where you are, even if you haven't been paying close attention. 
But when you are watching it for the canon, you are paying close attention. There's a lot to enjoy. Peter Falk's uh, performance is great. It's fun. He is sort of a weird, creepy dude, which makes it a little more fun for me because I kind of like I'm building backstories about him in my mind and they're all sort of weird. He had a war experience and it kind of fucked him up. That, that, that's my, uh, that's my dark backstory for him. Um, that's how you cook omelets in a foxhole, Dave. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. Way to respect the veteran egg experience. <laughs> it was, it was a fun watch. Uh, anything else to say before we move to the vote? Let's do yep. it. All right. Sarah D. Bunting. What say you? Yes. Uh, Tari Ariana. Me as well. I vote. Yes. Uh, I will vote yes too. It was fun, and uh, and the omelet, notwithstanding, we're we're gonna do it. <laughs> that means Columbo season one, episode one, murder by the book. You are hereby inducted into the extra hot great canon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and a loser of the week. Tara has our winner. So this is the uh, the news that Dave was alluding to earlier in the Conan discussion and around the dial. Niecy Nash is potentially TV's latest late night star. They are shooting a pilot for her to be the host of a late night show for TNT, which makes sense because that's where. Step backwards. Step backwards. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't want to say there's anything that Niecy Nash can't do, honestly, like, at all, but is this the right time is the question, and I also don't know if her particular talents involve her leaning back and giving someone else the spotlight, not that I'm, again, not saying that she couldn't, but I don't know if I want to see that, like, she's the <laughs> star, you know what I mean, like, I don't, I don't need to see her interview, you know, the fourth lead on animal kingdom or whatever kind of stars they're going to get on this show because she's already way more interesting than anyone that she would be interviewing. Sorry. And, and as Dave said, also like at the time that, you know, Robin Thede just had her talk show canceled on BET, Michelle Wolf and Joel McHale have both just had their Netflix shows canceled. Like this is potentially dangerous territory. And like, she's already the headlining star of an hour long drama series. Like Dave's right. This is a step back, but you know, make that paper, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I also don't want to suggest that I know better than Nisi. So we'll see. It's nice to be in demand. Yes. Uh, loser of the week. Um, uh, return with me now to those thrilling days of yester decade. Um, when we described in our television without pity book, the concept of the Z ring, um, that is the member of the ensemble cast, uh, of a legendary show who is never able to move on to anything else. <laughs> um, I and Z ring perhaps could be described as having moved on, but now that his current franchise Sharknado is, I guess, allegedly finally wrapping up after what? 18 iterations. Six. Slash probably being replaced by the Meg or that's the, the scuttlebutt. Um, anyway, he's being thirsty <clears throat> in various outlets about the prospect of a 902 reunion, 90210 reunion and how they all talk all the time. And, and then uh, he was like with Luke Perry on his Instagram and Luke Perry didn't look that keen <laughs> on any of it. <laughs> Maybe that's just his face, but he's also on Riverdale and he doesn't, he doesn't need uh, hair plugs, McGee's, bullshit so yeah Ian calm down 
That's, I mean, that's it's unfortunate advice. because they're going to ask him. And so he has to have an answer ready. And like, what's he going to say? No, I don't want to do it. But at the same time, like, I hate that we're in the era where the question has to be asked. Like, not yeah. everything needs to come back. Yeah. Agreed. Brandon, don't be such a squeef. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the tip, Dick. <laughs> uh, speaking about just the tip, do you know what time it is? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> This is the seventh game time of the season. Season score is currently Tara 3, value guess 2, Sarah 1. Today we are playing Which Aired More, Volume 2, from Ooh. Andrew Rabin. When you get a game time from Andrew Rabin, you know who sent Carabiner. <laughs> Andrew earns himself an extra <laughs> <laughs> extra credit redeemable for an extra hot great mini topic of his choosing it is very simple and should go relatively fast i will give you two okay. shows and for one point you tell me which aired more episodes that's it okay all right so tara please explain our steel meal situation steel meals are as follows sarah has two i have two valued guests have one all right. So steel mill to refresh your memory. If somebody answers their question wrong, question wrong uh, before I give the correct answer, you can hop in for a steel meal and try to get those points. All right. Okay. But that wouldn't really re uh, reply. Uh, it wouldn't apply here, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get wrong, then then this week. yeah you're right. Let's skip them this week. That, Cause that's okay. just, something okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> oh, binary questions, you little scamps. All right. We have 48 <laughs> questions today. We have three Grossworth Equalizer Challenge Zones throughout oh, the shit. match. So plenty of opportunities to catch up if you fall behind. Let's Are your glasses to to and see your our... lights on, Dave? What? Are your glasses and your lights on? <laughs> yes. I... Glasses are on. Lights on. I am ready. Okay. For small print challenges. Let's throw it to Picky. <laughs> We will start with Valued Guest. All right. So Valued Guest yes. is going first. Will, and then we'll go Sarah, then Tara. Are we ready to play which aired more, Volume 2? Yes. All right. Will. Yes, sir. Elf or dinosaurs? Elf or dinosaurs? Alien life form mm -hmm. or dinosaurs? Elf. Correct. By over 30 episodes. The American, Sarah... Or Hannah Montana. <laughs> oh, uh, Hannah Montana. Correct. Mm -hmm. 98 to 75. Tara. Yep. Arliss, or if you prefer Arlie dollar sign, dollar sign, or mm -hmm. Entourage. Arliss or Entourage? Ooh, Entourage? Correct. Okay. Everybody's got their first point. Back to Will. <clears throat> Original Beauty and the Beast from 1987. Or the remake of Beauty and the Beast, 2012. Original Beauty and the Beast. Mm, Incorrect. Wow. 56 what? to over wow. 70 episodes for the reboot. Of Beauty <laughs> what? And the Beast. Get out of wow. here. Wow. Under the no radar. No human has watched that show. <laughs> oh, here's one for Sarah. The Brady Brides or the Bradys. <laughs> the Brady. Okay. It's the Brady, Brady Brides, Brides or the or Bradys, you said, The right? Bradys, okay. Um, I am going to say the Brady Brides. Correct. Ten episodes that lasted four versus only six for the Brady. Watched them all of both. Yikes. Tara yeah. Ariano. Yep. Charles in charge or who's the boss? 
Uh, who's the boss? Yes, by quite a few. Like over 70 episodes. Fuck you, Scott Bale. You're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Willie. China Beach. Body of Proof. Body of Proof. No. Oh, body really? of Proof. 42. China Beach, 62. I would have thought the same thing, Will. Sarah Bunting. Uh, C. Uh, uh, wait, I've lost my place. CSI New York or CSI Miami? Oh, Miami. Miami is correct. Oh, no, I forgot to. Uh, yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Back to Tara. Downton yep. Abbey or Silver Spoons? Silver Spoons. Silver Spoons over double. Nice. Episodes, Will. Episodes or Joey? Episodes. Yeah. Joey, 46 episodes. Episodes, 41 episodes. Wow. Episodes. That is search optimization gold. Family ties, Sarah. <laughs> Family matters. Oh, shit. <sighs> Family matters. Yes. Oh. 215 versus 176. Gallivant or Rise? Gallivant. Pardon me? Gallivant. Correct. Eight episodes more than Rises 10. Girls, Will, or Men of a Certain Age? Men of a Certain Age. Oh, not even close. Ah. Girls, 62. Men of a Certain... 62, is that right? Can that be right? And huh? Men of a Certain Age, 22. Gossip Girl, Sarah. Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. Yes, by over 30 episodes. Bring us into our first score break, Tara Ariano. Guys with kids, or we are men. Oh. <laughs> Gross. Guys with kids. Guys with kids, 17 to nice. versus two. Two, <laughs> or we are men. Yeah, that was a famous, a famous fail. Yeah. All right. Score break, please, Tara. Okay, well, Sarah and I are tied with five each. Will has one. All right. So, Will... This is your chance to put some points on the board. I am holding in my hand a Trivial Pursuit TV box question from the mid-90s. I'm going to read you all the questions. If you answer three of them correctly, you'll get two points to add to your total. Are you ready? Oh, sure. Good luck, Will. Classics. Your first yes. category is classics. Okay. What building did a Ford, Ford honcho order painted out of the New York City skyline in a TV drama in the 50s? What building did a Ford honcho? I just love that. Order painted uh, out of the New York City skyline in a TV drama in the 50s. Red. Red building? No. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, what building? I'm sorry. I, I thought I said color. I'm sorry. What building? Um, you know, what building? Yeah, sorry. Okay, what building? Ford Honcho. Um, painted out of the skyline. The Empire State Building. Oh, very close. The Chrysler Building? Mm. Yeah, Chrysler Building. Yeah, the competition. Sitcom. What was uh, Corporal Klinger's favorite baseball team? Um, the Yankees. The Toledo Mudhens. Come on, Will. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. Is that right? Is it Corporal Klinger? Yeah. CPL? Yeah. Is that Corporal? Yeah. Corporal? Okay. Uh, drama. What was Kane's religion on Kung Fu? Buddhist? Correct. Yay! Kids and games. 
What school subject is treated with MTV Splash in the PBS series Square One TV? What school subject is Square One TV about? Okay, I'm sorry. Repeat the question, please. I'm sorry. What school subject is treated with MTV Splash in the PBS series Square One TV? What school subject is all hip and cool with the graphics? Mm. Yes. On Square uh, One TV. Uh, let's see. Um, music. Oh, Square One TV is about math. Mm. Math. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm so good. Okay. I'm... All right. Yes, you need ahead. both of these to get the points. Stars. So your answer is a celebrity of some sort. What future Roots star was introduced to TV on Sing Along with Mitch? Uh, I'm out. You're out. Anybody mm. want to take a guess? Leslie Uggams. Again. Oh, Leslie Uggams, sure. Yeah. All right. Let's get back a- to the game. Will, here is your regular old question. Mm-hmm. Which aired more episodes? <laughs> halt and Catch Fire or Silicon Valley? Of course, to date. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is the correct answer. All right. Eight more episodes. Sarah D. Bunting, this is question 17. It's pretty cool. Hawaii Five O from 1968 or Magnum P.I. 1980. Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O. Trying to guess how many episodes Hawaii Five O ran for. Like 300? Yeah, almost 300. 279 Whoa! versus... 162 okay. for Magnum P.I. Tari mm-hmm. Ariano. Mm-hmm. Hercules, A Legendary Journey. Sure. Xena, Princess, Warrior Princess. Xena. Xena, over 20 episodes more. Will Leach, this is question. Your shows, which one aired more? House or Extreme Makeover Home Edition? (laughs) I see what you did there. Uh, House. Mm, House, 177 episodes, but Extreme Makeover Home Edition, 200 episodes. They just pooped them out. Holy shit. Sarah D. Bunting, House of Lies or Veronica Mars? House of Lies. Uh, shit. I just have no concept. So I'm going to say uh, Veronica Mars. Correct. Oh. 58 House of Lies, 64 Veronica Ooh. Mars. Is, 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 is. Tara, The Incredible mm. Hulk, 1978, mm-hmm. or Smash? <laughs> Hulk. Oh, 82 to 32. Yeah. Oh, Andrew. I get well, it. <clears throat> inside Amy Schumer. Key and Peel. Key and Peel. 53 to 39. Kate and Alley, Sarah. Kate and Alley or Designing Women? Oh, those are both dragged down. Um, but I'm going to say Designing Women. Correct. 41 more. King of the Hill, Tara. Mm-hmm. King of Queens. Um... Hill. Two fifty nine to two oh seven. Will last man on Earth or Revolution? Last last man, man on Earth. Last man on Earth. Sixty seven episodes to Revolutions. Forty two. Holy cow! Forty two. Really? What? Jeez. Sarah D. Bunting. The League or Friday Night Lights? Oh. Shit. The League. 
84 to 76. Good wow, guess. the close one. Good job, Sarah. Tara Ariano. Yeah. Lily Hammer. Or, <laughs> or nailed it. <laughs> um, Lily Hammer? Yeah. 24 to 13 to date. That's unfortunate. And that was our... Oops. Sorry. No, wrong one. Smart break, please, start. Okay, well, Sarah and I are still tied. Now with nine each, Will has four. All right, Will, you're back in the hot seat. Here we go. All right, Will, you ready for your second stab at the growth growth equalizer challenge zone? We believe in you, Will. Red. Okay. <laughs> Chrysler. What if it was? What cl- <laughs> what cleansers TV ad featured a white tornado? This is classics. What cleansers TV ads featured a white tornado? Tide. Ajax. 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 Sitcom. Okay. What Cheers regular decided not to hide her pregnancy in 1991? 1991. Um, Kirstie Alling? Correct. Hmm. Drama. Which two Francis Ford Coppola movies were re-edited into a nine-hour TV miniseries? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, Jack and whatever the sequel to Jack was. <laughs> um, uh, God, Godfather and Godfather Part 2. Just need one more. Kids and Games, get this, and you got two points. What 1955 series was shot in Surrey, Sherwood, Forest, and Nottingham? Uh, was there a Robin Hood? Robin Hood. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it's The Adventures of Robin Hood. So. Oh, okay. You can't give me that. Yeah. Uh, stars. All right. Stars. What future Saturday Night Live star was once arrested for possession of eight pounds of pot? Wow. Eight pounds. <laughs> really eight spoiled for choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, before you answer, I just want to say, mm. and uh, recently also uh, uh, in trouble with the law. Hmm. Recently also in trouble with the law. Oh, okay. So it's not John Belushi. <laughs> I know. Nope. I was like... Mm. Uh, like very what, you, what year are these cards? Uh, this the is 90s. like mid nineties. Okay, so that eliminates Jim Brewer. Um, Something should. <laughs> yes. Uh, Futures Night Live star in trouble with the law. Uh, Bill Murray. Correct. All right. wow. Recently pounced on a you photographer or something like that. Yeah. Right. So that gives you uh, two more points. So Tara, let's get the updated scores. Okay. Well, Sarah and I still have nine points each. Will now has seven. All right. Getting close, Sorry, guys. Six. Six. Will. Sorry. That was oh, less exciting, but well, six is still good. <laughs> the news gets worse and worse for Will every time I hear the scores. Will lost. <laughs> lost or Gilligan's Island? Lost. 121 to Gilligan's Island's 98. I would have guessed Gilligan's Island for sure. Me too. Me too. Oh, wow. Sarah Bunting getting all of Picky's love. Maud or the Golden Girls? <laughs> Ooh. I hope it's the Golden Girls. <laughs> Correct. 180 Golden Girls' is to 141 Mods' is. That's, that's a lot, lot of mods. mods. Yeah, that's a lot of mods. <laughs> Ew. Uh, Tara. Yeah. McHale's Navy. Sure. <laughs> or that Hogan's show we Heroes. all love, McHale's Navy. Mm-hmm. McHale's <laughs> Navy or Hogan's Heroes? Hogan's Heroes. 168 to 138. Not that more, uh, not as big of a spread as I thought it would be. 
Will Leach the middle or Malcolm in the middle? Malcolm in the middle. Mm, Not even what? close. It's 151 from Malcolm in the middle. 215 for the middle. The middle's Just, last season was like season 10, I think. Yeah. It was on for a uh, long time. Sarah D. Bunting, once again, picky, knows who to uh, send your way. The Mob Doctor versus Made in Jersey. <laughs> I have no idea. Dang. Uh, the Mob Doctor. <sighs> Good guess. 13 to 8. Oh. That was uh, Jordana Spiro, who just played Donna's design-stealing assistant oh, on yeah. 902. Yeah. Not just. Just in our timeline. Tara. Yes. Mork and Mindy mm-hmm. or Roswell? Cute. I see mm. you, Andrew. Mork and Mindy. Mm. 30 more episodes from Mork and Mindy. 91 episodes of Mork and Mindy. Okay. Will, My Soul Called Life... Or freaks and geeks. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> that is rude. Yeah, it's a bit of a toy cost. That's tough. Toin- That's tough. Toy cost. Toy cost. Let me flip my. Let me toin-cos. flip my toy. I'm going to flip my toy yeah. and uh, oh, go with. Uh, Don't want to see that. This early. Uh, my so-called life. Yeah, good guess. What's the spread? Do you think? One. Yeah. 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 Nineteen to eighteen. That's what I thought. Yeah. Sarah D. Bunting. Oh, picky loves you. <laughs> no, it. The mystery files of Shelby Wu versus the secret world of Alex Mack. Mack. 78 to 41. Well done. The neighbors, Tara. Mm-hmm. Or aliens in America. Uh, the neighbors. There was 44 episodes of the neighbors. Oh <laughs> I didn't know there were any episodes of the neighbors. 18 aliens in in America. That I knew. Will, Northern Exposure or Due South? (laughs) The Tara question. (laughs) Uh, Northern Exposure. Yes. 110 Northern Exposure episodes versus 67 for Due South. Sarah D. Bunting, Oz or The Wizards of Waverly Place? (laughs) Oz. What? 56 mm. Oz episodes, 106 Wizards of Waverly Place episodes. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I feel like they probably film a bunch of those Nickelodeon shows, like a lot of episodes while they still can before their stars all go through puberty. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like they, they do the, they just film random scenes to stitch together later, like how they got yeah. to James Earl Jones just to do like phonetic, you know, snippets so they could do Darth <laughs> Vader till the end of time. Yeah. yeah. Perfect Strangers, Tara. Yep. Perfect strangers are hanging with Mr. Cooper. Strangers. 150 to 101. Saved by the Bell, Will, or Saved by the Bell, the new class? Ooh. Uh, I am not, even if I'm wrong, I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm, Saved I'm by okay the Bell, with getting 86 that episodes, the new class, 143 episodes. That feels oh, wrong. Jesus. Yeah. Sarah D. Bunting, Sean saves the world, or Kevin probably saves the world. Sean saves the world. Mm. Oh! Kevin probably saves the world one more episode than Sean oh, at 16. Wow. This is Fine. going to take us into our last score break before the end of the game. Okay. Or Tara, the shield mm-hmm. or the commish? Shield. <laughs> mm. 
Shield. Incorrect. Commission ninety four episodes. Shield eighty eight. That oh. FX versus the, the what was it season. ABC for the commission <laughs> sure or whatever. Yeah. Still, will never watch any Chick Lisiana. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear the scores here. Everybody's got uh, a couple questions left. Okay, I have thirteen points. Sarah has twelve points. Will has nine points. Oh. All right, Will. Guess what? Oh. Guess where you are. Starting off with classics, what mm-hmm. Western followed the adventures of Lucas McCain and his son, Mark? Uh, Ponderosa. Mm. I don't think there was a show called Ponderosa. Was I know. I'm just currently doing this out of a Ponderosa. I think there, I think there was. <laughs> I think there was, was the too. Ponderosa on Bonanza, but that was... <laughs> oh. Uh, oh yeah. The Rifleman right. was the show. And uh, just seeing the last name McCain made me think of Freezer Cake from Canada. McCain Freezer Cake. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about, Canadians. Oh, man, I miss that. Sitcoms. Yeah. What sitcom had designer Cliff Chaley telling TV Guide, Southern women dress up more? Mm. Charlie, maybe. Designing, designing women? Yes. Designing women. Drama. What family's black sheep, Gary, made it big in Knott's Landing? Samuel's black sheep, Gary. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a tough question. That's the Ewing families. Ewing huh. from Dallas. Oh, because it was a spinoff, right? It was yeah. a spin-off. Kids and games. Who began life in Bedrock's Rockapedic Hospital in February '63? Um, Pebbles. Yes, Pebbles. Yes, Correct. nice. All right. Good One more of these last two. What morning show did Gene Shalit review movies for? Uh, the Today Show. Today Show, correct. Hey! All right, you got your two points. So quickly, Tara, updated scores. Oh, okay. shit. Okay. Uh, well, now it's super close. I have 13 points. Sarah has 12 points. Will has 11 points. All right. Oh! Theoretically, this is anybody's game. The math says we could have a three-way tie at the end of this. Okay. Let's go back to Will. Your two shows are... Smallville or Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. <laughs> Smallville. Yeah, Smallville went on forever. 217 yeah. episodes. Wow. Versus just 87 episodes of Lois and Clark. I may have said Lewis and Clark. <laughs> we knew uh, Star Trek, the original series, Sarah, or Lost in Space from 65. Uh, Star Trek TOS. What? Star hmm. Trek original series 79 versus 83 for Lost in Space. All right. Well, at least it was close. Jesus. Tara Ariano. Yep. Third watch or third rock from the sun. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, third rock. Correct. 139 third rocks. This is 132 third watches. Oh. All right, Will. 30 something. 30 Rock. 30 Rock. Uh, 30 Rock, yes. Yeah. 85, 30 somethings, 138. 30 Rocks, this is. Sarah D. Bending, True Blood or The Vampire Diaries? Blah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, vampire Diaries. Yeah, Vampire Diaries. By almost 100 episodes. Yeah. Last question of the game WKRP in Cincinnati. Versus News Radio. Ooh. WKRP. Mm. 
Incorrect. Oh, News Radio, really? 98 episodes. WKRP, 90 episodes. That was our last question. Let's hear the scores. That is surprising. Holy okay, shit. well... Will and Sarah tied with 13 points. I had 14. Oh, <laughs> my God. All Good right. job, Eked everybody. Out. Nice. Uh, let's do our tiebreaker. We'll convert it into a steel meal situation. First person to shout out the correct answer. And keep in mind, there's only two things you can shout out. So get ready. Please only answer after I said <laughs> both. Actually, you know what? Let's mix this up. I'm going to read you the shows. The answer is actually kind of obvious if you know your TV okay. history. All We're right. going to do the spread. All right. Oh, okay. Everybody okay. Gets, gets at the spread. Okay. Closest wins. Okay. Your two shows are Zoo and Capital Critters. <laughs> now, Capital Critters infamously ran for a hot second. So the question is, how many more episodes of Zoo were there than Capital Critters aired episodes? Okay. Capital Critters so- was canceled so quickly that it didn't even air all the episodes it made for its first season. Okay, all right. So we'll go so, in order. We'll, we'll go, we'll guess this first. We'll guess first crack. How many more episodes of zoo were there than capital critters? 13. All right. 13. 15. 15. 37. 37 is, uh, yeah, that's going to be your closest. Probably. Oh, really? Yeah. 39 episodes of zoo. Seven episodes of Capital Critters. Oh, okay. Good job, Tara. Well done, Tara. 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 Guys, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We stamped our parking ticket for season four of Better Call Saul before going around the dial with stops at Marching Orders, Conan, Sharp Objects, and Babylon Berlin. Just one more thing to induct into the canon from Will Leach, and that's the Columbo <laughs> Mystery Murder by the Book. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was the winner of this week's game time, putting her within one victory of the season next week. Stay tuned. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano, Mrs. Melville would have got it in a second. Sarah D. Bunting. I need some change for the phone. And Will Leach. Seriously, Boston Scream Platt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time, right here, Extra Hot Green. Good night. Good night. Production of the previously.tv podcast network.